0: So last gathering, we, we began a conversation in those, in those two rows uh, around community. And JR opened up the scriptures and we began to look at Mark chapter 2. Uh, he, he brought up the idea of the four different kinds of community that were present within Mark 2. He also brought us into some understanding of some misconceptions. And in House Church, we got to dig in. No pun intended. Man, you guys are slow today. Jeez. Mark 2, the digging of the roof. Anyway, sorry. There we go. I got a clap. That's bad. Oh, scratch that one off. Um, Here's the thing. People love talking about community, right? It is a word that we use all the time. All the time. We believe that becoming more like Jesus is not a solo event. We believe that here at Renew. It's not about me going away with God, spending my own quiet time, and never interacting with other people. But we believe that community is done best, that discipleship is done best when we're with others. Our house churches ooze this idea. Almost all of us, at some point, have experienced the good stuff of community that feeling of belonging of sharing life with people in the darkness and in the light and the joy and in the sorrow, we've experienced what it's been like to actually enter into life on life places. It changes us, it changes us deeply. But as JR mentioned last gathering, community can be really hard. And there are a a ton of barriers in our way. Uh, as, As Americans, we really wrestle with busyness. Uh, As people that are part of this community, stages of life can become very disabling in the way that we begin to look at community. Some of us have been very hurt by others, but yet we don't want to make waves. Some are stuck in a tradition that will not look at another point of view or another idea. Our politics can become major barriers for community, being American in an individualistic, consumeristic society it can be very difficult and a barrier for us to, towards community. Some of us are afraid of the other, what other people will think, what other people will say. We have cultural obstacles, uh, we have affluence, and of course, our sinful nature. Renewed to be blunt, we love the idea of community, but the reality and difficulty of it is not as attractive. It's like going to the gym. We all want to have that amazing body, but none of us, many of us, don't want to put the sacrifice and the time that it takes to fully get where we want to go. Many people unfortunately live out this mantra, when the going gets tough, leave. We may not necessarily leave with our bodies. But our presence and our willingness to engage is the first to run out the door when the going gets hard. And it's interesting, with all the opportunities that we have to connect and to be connected with our world through Facebook and social media, we still live in an age where loneliness and isolation is on the rise and continuing to move. We may have a thousand friends on Facebook but feel like the most alone person in our society. And so it's easier, another thing is it's easier and safer to hide than it is to be seen. Community is the place that knows us warts and all, that won't let us put our masks back on or go back into hiding. Community can be a real pain in the butt. And the biggest challenge, uh, this is uh, Lyle Schaefer said this, I think this Schalter Schaller, and I think this is a beautiful statement. It says the, the biggest challenge for the church at the opening of the 21st century is to develop a solution to the discontinuity and fragmentation of the American lifestyle. And so, as we think about community, we have to ask ourselves the question what kind of community did Jesus have in mind? Um, Dennis is going to come and read a passage for us. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn, we'll just use this one, uh, to turn to Romans chapter 16. And follow along. Would you like me
1: to hold it for you? There's a liturgy of putting on the glasses. (laughs) So Doug's got me reading from the last chapter of a letter to Roman people, men and women. And it's stuck between two things that hit me in the face. Just before it, it says, I urge you. And then he goes on. And then at the end, the next verse is, I urge you again. So this is all about urges, guys urges I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant of the church in Sancria I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you for she has been a great help to many many people including me Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Jesus Christ. They have risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my friends, Eponetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked so very hard for you Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding amongst the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampelitus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Obanus, our fellow worker in Christ, my dear friend. Statius, greet Apelles. Tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who are belonging to the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, And all the saints with them greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send their greetings. Let us hear these words from Paul, from the Lord, as we have looked at them this morning. Mm.
0: thank you Dennis that is not an easy task reading all those amazing names so what does this passage teach us about a Jesus community For most of us, Romans 16 is the annoying greeting that we skip over, or it's like watching the credits at the end of a movie. There's only a few weirdos that actually stay in the theater to see who the lighting directors were. Okay, we have one. Thank you for your confession. We will pray for you later. The prayer team will be up here. Um, (laughs) But my friends, Paul mentioned 26 people, and scholars believe up to 16 of them were women. To credit this many women in a, in a church is remarkable. And all my sisters said, Amen. <clears throat> Social distinctions between class. There are Jewish names. There are Gentile names. There are people worshiping together. And my friends, in 50 AD, this is huge. This is ginormous. It's like a bad joke that starts off a priest, a rabbi, and someone else walked into a bar. It just doesn't make sense. You know it's false from the beginning. We think about the names. Roman names, Jewish names, Greek names, slave names, freed names. We think about the generations that are mentioned in this passage. Paul talks about mothers. She is like a mother to me. Brothers, sisters, greet Phoebe, single ladies, all my single ladies, and husband and wives... Paul is mentioning all of these different people. Erastus is thought to be the city treasurer. Aristobulus is thought to uh, is a family of power. Potentially, this is actually Herod the Great's grandson, and his household. Narcissus. Some people believe that he may have been the freed. That this may be talking about the freed people belonging to the house of Narcissus. He was also a free man and one of the most powerful people under Claudius. And then can we get a what what for Epinadius, the first person who came to Christ in Asia. My friends, think about all the different cultures, all the different people, all the different generations that are present in this, in these house churches. And, and let, let me make this really clear. He's not talking to one church. He's talking to the potentially five house churches that are meeting within Rome. And so a lot of these people who are Jews that have come back, they've been kicked out and they have now been allowed to come back. So most of these house churches um, that are meeting there are, are probably meeting in very diverse refugee camps. Or maybe it's better, maybe very diverse immigrant neighborhoods. And so this is a place where cultures are being crossed and they're they're meeting. This is like fertile soil for the gospel because people are coming to this new place asking, where do I belong? How do I fit in? And the church of Rome is filled with such an eclectic group of individuals and cultures that are being brought together under the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. My friends, there is no other way to explain the unity of these diverse people other than the work of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, if you remember, he prays this, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. And let me be very clear, very clear here. The early church was not seeking to be a community. They were seeking Jesus, and he was bringing together this community so that it would be a blessing to the world. That this idea goes way back to Abraham, the covenant that God made with him that says, I will bless you and your descendants so that they will bless the world. That through your family, and my friends, this family that we see in Romans is huge. It looks like the coolest family reunion you've ever been to. the church was more was blessed for more than just potlucks the church viewed itself living under the rule and the reign of an eternal king with purpose that was ushering in a new way of living and a brand new life under a brand new king and a brand new kingdom my friends the church literally believed that they were a brand new creation They were a brand new people because of Jesus. Paul spent the better half of Romans working through who Jesus was, what he did, and who we are in light of him who has called us to live together in community. Some of the best language of love and acceptance and forgiveness comes from words that Paul penned in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let me be really clear as well. Many of us talk about the early church as the good old days, you know. That was back when everything was great, and then we screwed it all up. You know, we, we may blame it on someone, and we need to be people that love church history because we begin to recognize as we read church history, these people are messed up just like us. Sorry to break your bubble. But we'd be foolish to think that there were not messes within these house churches, My friends, this gives us a great glimpse into Jesus' communities. And so the truth about a biblical Jesus community is this. Community is messy because we all bring our stuff to church. You brought it this morning, whether you realize it or not. As you were packing your bag and bringing your Bible, you brought a whole train of things with you. We bring it to church. We bring it into our relationships. And just because we left the other church doesn't mean that the problem went away. Sometimes the problem actually is in us. Uh, Mary and I have had the blessing of, be, of doing premarital counseling for about seven years, and we love it. It is so much fun. We spend one of, the, one of the longest sessions that we do, normally ends up with tears and tissues and all kinds of things, is we talk about family of origin, and we talk about what we grew up with and the way that that shaped us and, and in the ways in which we now respond and react. Um, husbands wives people uh you know singles everyone never say this you're just like your mother or you're just like your father because that my friends can be a recipe for a fight very very quickly but it is true because our family of origin is like the background music that plays so imagine this paul in this in his in his letter that he's writing with all these cultures with all these people with folks who were former slaves when you're a slave you're known for widget per hours and the job that you do think about the baggage think about the way these slaves could have been abused in the early church think about the laying down of power the understanding that when when the church meant that the table was equal footing the house of aristobulus wasn't higher than Epinidius, but they were at level ground One of the things that we also talk about in marriage counseling is we need to learn to listen and honor pain and feelings. My friends, this is a difficult thing for people to do, and this is really messy because when tears get involved and when these things start to get ugly, a lot of us shut down. We go into defensive mode. We think, what, what can I do? I have to change something. Uh, or, or some people go into fix mode. Okay, how do I fix this? Friends, sometimes we have to sit in the pain Suppose we have to honor that. We have to invite it in, ask it to sit down, and recognize how it's shaped us. It's messy because some of our deepest wounds are from community. And renew. I want to remind you, or maybe tell you for the first time, that your pastors were no strangers to this. We've been deeply wounded by community as well. It's a mess. It is messy. We live in a world where people go to churches, but they belong to a gym. Now, luckily here at Renew, you have both. You go to a gym and you belong to a church. So it really works out well. Um, but people, we have to understand, people don't meet our expectations that we have. And so we when we walk into community, we need to realize that we need to become better communicators. We need to recognize the way in which we need to talk to one another in a Jesus way, in an honoring way, in a way that listens and responds, not listens and reacts. Another way community is a mess is because hurt people hurt people. So many of us have hurt one another out of our own pain. And so I honestly believe that the gospel is powerful enough to transform our pain and our hurt and to actually use that as a place of learning and growing to love others well. When we decide to enter into life together, we need to realize we're going to hurt one another. We're going to hurt one another. The other reason why it's messy, and this is probably going to be a shock to most of you, but sin is a real thing, and it breaks our relationship with God, with the way that we view ourselves, with others, and with the world around us the other truth about a biblical Jesus community is that community is necessary my friends all of us share a longing to be with others we were not designed to be made and made to be alone we've been made in the image of a Trinitarian God Father Son and Holy Spirit so in the inmost part of our DNA that these x-ray machines can't quite pick up. There is something in us that longs for community. There's something in us that draws us to others, that shows us that we are missing something when we are not together. The idea of Trinity is an idea of community. Perichoresis is the word, and it literally means mutual indwelling, cleaving together or dancing around It describes how substances can keep their identity, keep their substance without losing their distinct properties, without mixing fully. Individuals together. Another reason why it's necessary is because human growth, spiritual, emotional, physical, intellectual, it's not a solo event. But we need help, and we need others to help us grow. Community forms our identity. my friends, people in America today are asking the question, late into life of who am I? And that's, that's actually a newer, more recent phenomenon. That's not something that had happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. But that's newer. And a lot of that is because our communities are so broken and broke down and disconnected that we don't have people mirroring back who we are. That we have to be in a space where we're actually listening to God where we're listening to one another and believing the things of who we are and what God says about us. The other thing is it helps us see our boogies. Uh, We need to know if we have a cliffhanger before we walk out the door. And community is one of the best places where that actually happens. There's a great quote by M. Robert Mulholland Jr. It says this, There is a temptation to think that our spiritual growth takes place in the privacy of our personal relationship with God. And then, once it is sufficiently developed, we can export it into all of our relationships with others and be Christian with them. So some of us are thinking right now, do I have a booger in my nose? And that's okay, you can look at the person next to you and ask them. Some of us are thinking, I know community is necessary, but the minute it gets messy, I'm out. I've been way too hurt to try this again. I love God, but I've given up on the church and renew is the last chance. Many of you in this room sitting here today, I've heard you say those words to me. Or I think it's unnecessary. I can just be with Jesus and my podcast pastor and we're going to be fine. One thing that we need to be convinced of this morning is that Community is both messy and necessary. And so community is necessary. And so necessary community is, number one, it's Jesus-centered. It is the only, it's only in community that is centered on the life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus that we can begin to experience wholeness in a brand new way. Our identity is formed in God And then we're able to be with others our vertical relationship with the Lord is what helps us learn to be in relationship healthy relationships with one another our relation with God needs to take precedence in our lives we as a people should be constantly fixing our eyes on Jesus and pointing our brothers and sisters to him To be reminded that we belong to a king and a kingdom that we are invited to enter into. to, To be reminded that we have entered into brand new life. That the old has died and the new has come to be. We need to remind each other that we are beloved sons and daughters. We need to read scripture together to encounter Jesus and to have him mess with our souls in deep ways. We need to be a community, a necessary, Jesus-centered community that worships the risen King together. We experience joy. We have the audacity to pray for miracles. In Renew, I can't think of a better place where this happens than in baptisms. That place where where what we do is we have a chance as a worshiping community, as a Jesus-centered community, to walk down to a pool or a lake or a river and to watch our brothers and sisters go under the water, to see them come up out and to see pandemonium break loose. That is the picture of a Jesus-centered community. It's not about the pastors. It's not about the elders. It's about Jesus. Christian community means... Community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. There is no Christian community that is more than this, and none that is less than this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. Number two, messy community is a safe place. It's a safe place to say no. I was honored a few weeks ago, months ago, when Mike Gribben said, "I need to take a break." It's a safe place for him to say no. I need to take a break from leading house church. My friends, this community needs to be a safe place to say no. Safe place to say, I need a break. I'm tired. Safe place for us as a community to to release the Briggs onto uh, months of sabbatical to get rest and health. It's a safe place to say no. It's also a safe place to say yes. And to make spiritual decisions. My friends, you are not required... To be a cynic or a hater in this place, we need to make space for people's awkwardness. It's a safe place to disagree. Unity and diversity in every community, any healthy community needs to have some space for people to disagree. But that then they also choose to love one another even in the midst of the disagreement through the difficult things. One of the things that we need in order to disagree is we need to be a community that has radical hospitality. Nelson Mandela has this beautiful quote. He says, you need to eat breakfast with family, lunch with loved ones, lunch with friends, and dinner with your enemies. But to be committed to radical hospitality, that when a brother offends you or a sister hurts you, that instead of running away, we actually enter into the tension, that we fully bring ourselves to the table. Not the suspension of who we are for the sake of others, but to fully enter in with one another. It's a safe place because it's a safe place for us to take off our masks. Our hope is that one day, those of us that are wearing masks, myself included, we actually take it off and we never pick it up again. Community is a safe place where we step into the painful moments together where we also have the courage to grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. There are so many stories of loss and renew over the past year. And necessary community is never afraid to enter into those places and say, I have nothing to say. I will just be present and cry with you. As I said earlier, house churches have been those places where we have seen this at its biggest and most beautiful place of people doing life together in the mess and in the crisis. John Orberg says this, community is the place that reveals the truth about yourself. Number three, and this is my last point, necessary community is committed to the hard work of reconciliation. To the the four hardest words of, will you forgive me? And then the response, the three hard words, just as hard, of I forgive you. My friends, as Protestants, we have, we lost something in the Reformation, and this was not Luther's intention. There's something beautiful that happened in confession. When people would sit down with the priest and say, Father, forgive me, I have sins. And again, some of you may completely disagree, and that's okay. But to hear the words, you are forgiven, changes us. Inside, We don't hear those words enough as a people. We've lost something. Just having God forgive you is is enough, but when you hear the words you're forgiving, it sets you free. Jesus taught us to pray that way. Forgive others as you have been forgiven. He gives us power to forgive and not to forgive, and so we actually have power to say, I'm not going to forgive this person. That scares me. But my friends, there's so much power in forgiveness, and because people don't experience this in community, that's why most folks, including myself, are in therapy. Because we need to find places where people actually look us in the face and say, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And that lead us into forgiving others. This is why 12-step groups are so amazing because they offer unconditional acceptance. You show up and everyone knows why you're there. There's no question. Oh, why are you here? Oh, I'm just here for the donuts No, you know why you're there You show up and you leave the mask at the door And you say, I'm entering into this But what I love about it Is it also shows us the brilliance of community Because it's not just you go and you tell your stuff And you walk away You get a sponsor You get someone that's going to walk the journey with you That's going to say, hey, I know you're struggling I know it's a mess right now But let me tell you, there's hope on the other side Because I'm nine years sober Because I'm 14 years sober Because I'm seven months sober And I believe that you can too And so we get community in the midst of that. People flock to this because they're actually experiencing the beauty of community and healing relationships. Church, I hope we look like that. I believe we are in so many ways, but I believe that there's other places for us to grow. Being hurt and offended and entering into it instead of running away is one of the most important things, and this goes to both perpetrators of the hurt and the victims. Church is a place where both of those people seek healing and restoration. Uh, One of my good friends hardly ever heard the words, I'm sorry, will you forgive me growing up? And this marked her deeply. She struggled so much in the first few years of her marriage, learning how to actually have a conversation, have an argument, work things out. I'll never forget, uh, found out that she got pregnant and she called me up, she's like, oh, I'm pregnant, this is the coolest thing ever. And I, and I said, so what are you thinking? What are you thinking about all this? First thing, when I have kids, I want them to hear them say I'm sorry. I know that that's important because I didn't hear that growing up. My friends, watching her raise her kids has been a thing of beauty. It is messy, and she can tell you how hard it has been, but how it's changed her kids' lives, and it's transformed her life. It's completely done a gospel work inside of her. And it's funny because she'll still tell me today, I can hardly say the words, I'm sorry, will you forgive me, without tears in my eyes because there's something so deep that is happening in those words. Necessary community is committed to the hard work of reconciliation. We forgive those who have sins against us As we have been forgiven John Wesley wrote two uh, Plain accounts Uh, The first one was called A Plain Account of Christian Perfection It's a classic It's it's a great book, it talks about holiness How to live holy lives How do we pursue that life Uh, Each follower of Jesus, we need to pursue holiness uh, But many folks stop there He wrote a second account It's called A Plain Account of the People Called Methodists My friends, Wesley expected That every Methodist would be in a society class meeting slash bands things like that so these were like they're like house churches he expected if you're a Methodist if you're following Jesus and calling yourself a Methodist you're in this group you're in a house church and one of the things that they did which would make most of us super uncomfortable is when they would come to these meetings they would spend time confessing their sin the first thing they do they sit down you know everyone kind of looking around like hey how have you sinned this week Just imagine the unraveling taking place in that room, right? And the, the part that was incredible about this is that when people said, oh, I didn't, he would stop and say, no, really, like, how did you sin this week? Because Wesley believed that if we are to grow in the grace of Jesus, it will require unmasked, painful honesty. That our masks that we must be committed to live out of our brokenness and vulnerability in order for Jesus to come and heal us from the inside out. Our stuff isn't dealt with until we come to grips with it. One of the most beautiful things to watch in life is seeing masks come off of people when they're actually set free from whatever it is. The Greek word, and this is, this is where we get the idea of confession, right? This is where I, I think Wesley saw the importance of confession and brought it back into the, into the church, and it's a beautiful thing, but the Greek word for conf- confession is homo, homologu, and it's the word that harmony comes from. My friends, the idea of confession is not where we tell God something he doesn't know, it's when we agree to what God is actually revealing to us. You know, we think about the great passage on confession and forgiveness in Matthew 18, where it talks about if someone sins, you should go to them, confront them. And then uh, if that doesn't work, you should take two people and then they should. And then and if there's not a confession, then you need to kick them out and treat them like a tax collector. How did Jesus, Jesus teach, treat tax collectors? He chased after them sat at the table with them. My friends, the fact that this community of Christians was so radical in the way that they approach grace and people blows my mind. And so a community needs to be a safe place to confess our sin, to agree with God what he's revealing in us, to be challenged, to trust that God is good, and to be reminded of our belovedness. That is why confession is important. That is why Jesus teaches us to forgive as we have been forgiven. So friends, in ending this morning, what I would like to do is I would like to give us a moment. Part of me wonders if as we're talking, some of us are beginning to feel the woundedness of community, the sin, the stuff that's been hiding that we continue to press down so much bubbling back up. Some of us are like halfway grabbing a mask to like put it back on as you sort of let it go through the day as you came into this place. But I want to give us a few minutes just to be quiet before God. Just to allow him to speak to our hearts. Maybe he has a word for you today that he just wants to challenge you with. So for those of us that are wounded I want us to hold out that wound before God. Some of us have been holding on to that wound so tightly for so long that our fingers are cramped. And I'd be crazy to ask you to just let go and drop it. But I want to ask you before the Lord to loosen your grip to loosen your grip to confess to God why you've been holding on to this so tightly to give him some space to go deep within your soul and to begin the unmasking the unveiling the healing process that so desperately needs to be done For those of us that are afraid to enter into deep community because of the hurts that we've experienced in others, I want us to hold that before the Lord, hold our fear before him. And I want us to lean into it and say, Lord, why am I afraid? to listen and for those of us that are hungry to go deeper into community with each other into a Jesus centered community I want us to just sit and listen for a moment to what God may be asking us to do Jesus, we thank you for your bigness and your fullness. We thank you for calling us into a community, a group of people together, diverse from different backgrounds, with all of our baggage and stuff. And Lord, we know that there's no way we can fabricate authentic, life giving community, but it's only through the work and the power of your Holy Spirit as you work through us, as we learn to forgive. And be forgiven as we understand that community is necessary, that it changes us, it disciples us, it makes us into the people of God that you've called us to be. Lord, may you mess with us in this way. May you help us to chase after you. And as we're chasing after you, may we see others come even closer and closer to us. Lord, may we be not afraid of pointing out the boogies in other people's noses. But it be people that actually looked as a holy look at that as a holy and sacred task as being in community. In your name we pray. Amen.